Amen. Well, it's good to be back in town, and um, I thought, uh, listen to Wade's message last week, I was real pleased with the way he brought a message and encouraged us and challenged us to, to get out and be the church and, and go reach the community for Christ and, and how the, the church is designed as leaders that were to train and equip the saints for a work of ministry, and that includes getting out and sharing your faith, and as God would lead you, the places you live, the places you work. Um, you know, he, he wants us to share our faith. Listen, we've been going through Nehemiah, and, um, and I know this is an Old Testament passage, but I want you to see in Nehemiah just the whole idea of a church being built, of a church coming together and getting stronger. I know he's talking about building walls, and he's talking about putting up gates, and but the, the, the aspects, the, all the things that go on in that building, the, the constant attack of the enemy, the constant discouragements that kind try to come, trying to get Nehemiah off focus, off track, get the people to stop building, to discourage them and tell them lies and, and pull them away from the project. And you see all that in, in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 7, which was what we looked at last time. Nehemiah chapter 7 is the walls, the walls have been built, the gates have been put up, and uh, it was time to organize themselves as a church, to put the leadership together, to talk about the importance of giving and supporting the ministry. And, and we see that, we can look at that as a type of, of, of what we need to do in our church. We need to structure ourselves we, 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 in our church, we have different leadership positions. We're, we're in the process still here at Calvary and will be for the next year or so of uh, structuring our, our church, not only to have elders, which we have solid elders, uh, but also to have a solid Christian education department, a solid women's ministry, a solid deacon's ministry, and alliance women, deaconess ministry, all those things that uh, we... we uh, will help us as a church to be strong, to be effective, and when folks start to come in from the community of, that have accepted Christ or they're searching for Christ and they receive Christ, we will have the necessary structure and, and the system that will take care of the needs of those people. And we're praying they're going to come in. God didn't give us chairs like this to be empty. He gave them in order for them to be filled and filled with people that are just so hungry for God. So now we go to Nehemiah chapter 8. So what does that have to do with why, why you get the structure? What do you see in Nehemiah chapter 8? I'll tell you what you see. You see a people hungry for the word of God. The people have not heard the word of God for a 70 years, some say when they were in captivity in, in Babylon. They did not have the word of God read to them, taught to them. And they've been working away. Now, it's not that they didn't hear somebody comment. Ezra was there, Nehemiah was there. But Ezra's been called in now. And Nehemiah is there with them. And they're going to look at the book. And what we see in, in, in chapter 8 there's some, some points I want to make here that, that, that I hope you see, and I hope that you see that it's important for us as a church. 
that as God begins to move, as he's, yes, he's structured us and brought structure and leadership and brought us together as a team, but the most important thing is the book. And I hope you see this morning, if nothing else, the preciousness of this book. We haven't been without a book for 70 years, have we? You, I, I've got so many translations in my in my office, I've got translations at home. We have our phones. We can get any translation we want. We can go on the computer. We can search. We can listen to this, that, and the other. We can stream this, stream that, get CDs. It's all available to us. But how hungry are we? Are we as hungry as the people that we're going to look at here in Nehemiah? so that we can have the reaction that they had and the response that they had when they heard the word spoken to them and taught to them so that they could understand it. That's what you're going to see in this chapter 8. So we start out the reading, and we're going to do quite a bit of reading today. I want the reading of his book to be the preaching of his word today, more so than the words I could speak. So we might be here a little longer. They were there from the morning till noon. Let's see how long we can go. And all the people, Nehemiah chapter 8, all the people gathered as one man, one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday. Now, can you imagine if, if you know, you, you, the women have been in here having a Bible study this morning. The men were over in the fellowship hall having a study. We had a break between. We've had worship between. What if we came in here at 8 o'clock and I was still reading the word from 8 to noon? And others with me, not just me, because Ezra has others standing by his, each side of him. It's not that necessarily that Ezra did all the reading. It's possible that these men either side took, read some verses too. But he read from it facing the square early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. That is a point I want to make. They requested the book. They wanted the book. Bring us the book. Now, before we get there, uh, and, 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 and I want to read a little further and then come back to the points I want to make. I got excited to get going. Um, they were attentive. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood, Mathath I know we may get these names uh, not said right, but Mattathiah, Shurma, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, uh, Mal Malajah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshullam on his left hand. 
These are the people that were standing up on this platform above all the people. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. Whoa. Bring us the book, Ezra. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, Peliah, and Levites, and the Levites. Now, how would you like me to ask you to come up and read this this morning? <laughs> Especially those verses. They helped the people understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Verse 9, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's a, that's a verse to highlight. That's the place when they ask you, where's the joy? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Right here in, in Nehemiah 8.10. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet. For this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Now, I could read more, but right now I want to just go back to this idea of the way they came after structuring themselves as a leadership group. They came and they said, bring us the book, Ezra. And they stood as one. There's something important to this. They had unity. They had unity. There were about 50,000 people standing there. Imagine that. If you, go, if you go back into, I think it was Nehemiah 6, you, you see a number of 42,000 some odd, and then there was others, and, there was, and this was men and women. But they, they say there was probably at least 50,000, if not more. Now, who's gone to a football game and seen 50,000 people? It's quite a crowd. And they, were, they weren't near the temple here. They were near the water gate. That, they needed to be there. There wasn't the room in there. There's 50,000 people, and they did not have a sound system like we have. Ezra standing on a platform preaching. But they stood as one. They were in unity. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.10, where Paul was appealing to the Corinthian church that had all kinds of problems, he said this in 1.10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Bring us the book. We want the book. That's where we can all agree, I believe, at Calvary, 
that we must have the book. If anything that we do in here, whether it's some sort of a study uh, or or a meeting, a gathering, a prayer meeting, bring the book. (laughs) I always remember, and I've told this before, I always remember being in Iowa, and I went to my first prayer meeting, and it was a wonderful gathering. There was quite a few people and uh, but they were all in all discussing around in their chairs and they were discussing different aspects of what do you believe in this what do you believe in that and nobody had a book in their hand now they they they, there were books in the pews but this was a prayer meeting and so we had to do a little training you come to a prayer meeting or any meeting that is of believers bring the book so we called it the sword because it's called the sword of the spirit and um, so naturally, I, I actually uh, did a real excitation, you know. I said it in love, but if you're going to argue points, give us an address in Scripture. Give us an address in the book. Let's look at the book together. Let's div- divide this book together. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to discern this together, but make sure we remain in the book and uh, so after, after that night, man, uh, a new person would come to prayer and they'd all look at that new person and they'd say, where's your sword? And the person would say, what? You need your Bible. And they said it in love and, and it got, word got out and when everybody came to a meeting, whether it was a board meeting, whatever it was, they brought their book. And there was unity, unity in that. If there's one place we can stand in unity, it is that the word of God is living and active and powerful and effective. And without the word of God, we, we're lost. It'll, cha- it'll change us. So bring the book. Stand as one. And the important thing here too is that it doesn't talk in here about the 50,000 that showed up. There's no, there's no mention in here, well, about 10,000 stayed away because they just couldn't be bothered. They stayed home, and, and uh, they all came. And, and, and in Hebrews 10.25, we're exhorted in that passage. Is it, it tells us in Hebrews 10.25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day, the day dawning, Near, as the day dawns near, as Christ is going to return, encourage everybody, listen, we're going to gather. What are you going to do? We're going to look at the book. Imagine if if I'm standing here, you walk through the door, you've greeted a few people, and you look up to me and say, we need the book. Preach to us, Nigel. That's what they were saying, Ezra. Bring us a message, Ezra. Bring us the book. It's the word we want. We don't want to hear from you. We want to hear from him. And uh, I want to hear from him too. Please read to us, Ezra. Please preach to us. And please give us understanding to what is read. Hmm. I wanted to do something. We've not done it here. Now, for those of you that uh, have been raised in other denominations, I don't want you to go back in time and all of a sudden have sort of a a PTSD, um, but I, I want you to stand. And you noticed in the, in the bulletin, I had faith put in here, Psalm 136. This is the whole psalm. 
And I want us to do something a little different today because this is the book. This is one portion out of the book. And I'm going to read here, and your response, your response throughout this reading is going to be, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now let me just pray before we do this and before we stand together as one, children as well, Let's just pray that God would move and speak to us, even in the reading of this word together corporately as a one body. Father, in the name of Jesus, I do pray that we'd be able to embrace this in unity, not feel like we've been told off or told to do something we don't want to do, but we would actually be excited and we would realize this is your book, Lord. This is your word of God. This is one portion of it and speak to us in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So would you stand with us? Would you all stand, please? And and so you can see your response there. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. The moon and stars to rule over the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a strong hand and on outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our lower state and rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh Give thanks to the God of heaven. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Now that's just one portion of the word of God. And, and, and as a church, as we come in, expect and say, give us the book. We want to hear the book. Pray as you come in. Say, Lord, speak to me today. Speak to me through your book. Speak to me through your word. And you'll be amazed at the difference when we come expecting 
when we invite people to come in. Why would I come there? Because we are going to look at the book, and the book gives us hope. The book gives us life. The book transforms us. The book is the word of God. It's the life of Christ, the bread of life, and we look at the book. That's what we do. We don't have bells and whistles. We don't need fog and, and lights. We, we, just, we need the book. There's no mention of fog and lights and sound systems even. They had the book, and they said, we got to have it. You did a good job organizing this. Nehemiah, you led us. We built the walls. We got everything organized here. We still got to build the homes. But, uh, and, and you organized this. You told us we need to give gifts and, and how we should lead. And, but we need the word. Please give us the word. And they did. Now, what's interesting in here, is because it says in here, the verse, verse 3, that the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. Now, I know that happens here. Many of us here, we're attentive to the book of the law. We are reading the book. Now, there is another psalm, and I just want to read this, and I'm not going to ask you to stand on this. But there's a psalm in 19, verses 7 through 11. I'm going to, Psalm 19, 7 through 11. When you think of the power of the book, and you think of the of what's going to happen when we read it, when we meditate, when we soak in it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You want your soul revived? You discouraged or down or depressed? Then get into the book. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the law, Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them is great reward. Oh, do you want the book? Do you want to get in the book? Are you hungry to get in the book? You all met my friend Cal, and I told you he learned to read by reading the Bible. And I just talked to him a couple of months ago when I was traveling back from, North, from Sydney after a pastoral growth group meeting. And he laughed and he said, Nigel, do you remember when I came and I couldn't read? And he talked like that, he talks high. I couldn't read. He said, I go to bed at night. Each night I go to bed. He's a carpenter. He's a craftsman. He says, I fall asleep trying to memorize a chapter of the Bible. And Gary and, and them are going to put out a new CD. And on that CD is Cal with memorized verse, reading for five minutes. Memorized. And, I, and when, he, when that gets printed, I, I, I want to give you a copy. I want, to listen, I want you to listen to the Spirit of God flowing through him. Now I know him, and, and uh, you know, he gets emotional in it in his reading, but I can picture him reading it because I know how he reads it and meditates and soaks in it. Psalm 1, blessed is the man. This is the first verses he memorized. Blessed is the man whose walk, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, don't you want the book? You might say, that's just some, no, soak in that. Memorize it. Get the book in your system. See, go to the book expectant. Go to the book and say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Cleanse me of all distractions and fill me with your Holy Spirit so that my spirit can discern what your spirit is saying to me. And this is spirit breath breathed. And he wants to speak to you. So he brought the book. Now in chapter 9, when he... uh, brought the book when what Nehemiah read was the book of the Lord Moses. Now that was good. We need to hear the book of the Lord Moses. But we in 2020 live post-Christ. We live in a day where Christ has gone to the cross, where, the, where what was told of, of Christ has already been accomplished except for his return, which is imminent. It is going to happen. But So I thought what I'd do today, like I said, I want the scriptures to speak to us and assure us that this book is good, it's solid. The whole counsel of God is necessary for us to chew into, to dig into, to, to, to have variance in our Bible studies and in our prayer meetings and what you read at home and how you do your devotions. Don't just stay in one section. Like I have some friends. They can't believe that we're even preaching in Nehemiah. They're like, why are you in that Old Testament? We're in the New Testament. That is the Word of God in the Old Testament, and this is the New Testament. It's not, it is old, it is new, but it's one. It's one book. <laughs> and when we, see, when we see the connection and how God breathes into the new, what's written into the new, It is incredible, and uh, I just pray that you're going to experience that. So I want you to, I want to read to you. um, I'm trying to decide which one do I read first. I believe I'm to read to you Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 to 28. So if you want to turn there. Again, I said this is going to be a day of reading, and I'm hoping you're okay with this. Because this is the book, Galatians 3, 23. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Now I wanna, I'm reading this, do you know why? To compare, to have a comparison to how God moved and disturbed these people's hearts in Nehemiah, caused them to raise their hands, to weep, to put their faces on the ground and, 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 and mourn before the Lord because it was speaking to them. That was the law. The law hasn't been abolished. It's been fulfilled in Christ. So before faith, we were held captive under the law. We are not captive under the law. The law leads us to Christ. 
were imprisoned until the coming of faith be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abram's offspring, heirs according to promise. Listen, when we come to this church, when we stood and we looked at the scripture, Psalm 136, as I'm reading these scriptures today, when you stood as one and I stood with you, there was no male, no female. We were all one in Christ. Free. It is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. So when we read, yes, the New Testament, we read a letter that is free of law. But law leads us to Christ. Law says you need Christ. It shows you the way. Now, so like I said, Nehemiah read from the book of the law of Moses, which the people wanted, they requested, and they were attentive. They, they, they reacted to it with emotion. So what would we read today? There is all sorts of scripture. We could go through the Bible and say, let's read what's in red. Let's read what's in red. I've chosen not to do that this morning. I've chosen to read out of the book of Acts 13 through 13 through 52. This is a lot of verses. I, I, again, it's a lot of verses. But just as chapter 9 of Nehemiah is a lot of verses to do with the law of Moses and, the, and, and how the, the, the Israelites uh, sought God and then fell away from God, then God reached out and had compassion and so forth, we see the history here that Paul is preaching in the book of Acts. Acts 13, starting at verse 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. And after reading from the law and the prophets... The rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Oh, hey, invitation to Paul. I, I mean, I don't, I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> we know what's coming, right? They don't know what's coming. He's now going to read the word of the Lord as it is in Christ Jesus for us today. So Paul stood up and he motioned with his hand. He got their attention. And this is what he said. Men of Israel and you who fear God, now listen, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. Does that remind you of the psalm we just read? And for about 40 years, he put up with them <laughs> in the wilderness. How long has he put up with you? And after 
destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. And all this took about 450 years. That's quite a while. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel, the prophet. And then they asked for a king. We need a king. Gosh, we've got to have a king. Forget these judges. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin. For 40 years they had him. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Now we know, because you read it, he wasn't perfect, was he? But he was God's man, and God's grace was upon him. And of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. And before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I'm not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the to us has been sent the message of his salvation this salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance of the prophets which are read every sabbath fulfilled them by condemning him and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death they asked pilate to have him executed and when they had carried out all that was written of him they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you good news, that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption is spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. And as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. They were hungry. He was reading. He was telling them the story. And they said, we need this next week. Please bring it to us next week. Bring us some more, Paul. And he says, and after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many of the Jews 
and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Now, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. And since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to Gentiles. For, to the Lord has, for, the Lord, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word, the, the, Lord was, the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now that's the ending of the reading of the word of the Lord. Why did I read all that? I pray that it's because this is the story of, of Christ. This is the story where we're no longer under the law, but we are in Christ. And when we're in Christ, we are free in Christ. We must trust this word, trust it as we speak it, trust that God will use it to move it, to move your hearts. Look, they decided to be read. They were attentive. They stood. They lifted their hands. They, they wept. They bowed down. There's nothing wrong with emotion. If you've never been touched by emotion when you read the word of God, I encourage you to soak in it and soak in it and soak in it until the spirit of God moves in your heart and in such a way that all of a sudden you won't be able to speak a word because your emotions, God will grab a hold of you. Now, I'll, I'm going to close with this. When I was down in Colorado Springs just this last week, I was doing what's called advanced mediation peacemaking. And the training was that peacemaking is not check the box. Peacemaking is the gospel of Christ. When people are in conflict, the gospel needs to be spoken into their lives. If I'm in conflict, I need the gospel spoken into my life. The gospel is essential. The gospel is necessary. We must have the gospel. And, and, we, and the, in peacemaking, there's all these selected verses that deal with conflict, deal with various things that we battle with in, in our own spirit. And we have to discern what to read, what to read, what to, what to give, what to give out. And not only that, on top of that, we've got the whole book that God will say in this situation, the Holy Spirit says, have them read this. And for me in this training, I was role playing. I was a young pastor, 26 years old. Can you believe that? I was 26, you guys. And I, and I, and I was sharing a church with an old Hispanic pastor uh, who was a godly man who loved the word of God. And I was all about reaching people. You know, come as you are, wear your shorts, whatever. Coffee in the back, you know, donuts and in the sanctuary. And that, you know, was offensive to the, to the old people. And, um, and I've got this conflict. Anyway, 
the mediator that was playing a role playing the mediator, I'm role playing pastor, said, uh, Pastor, would you read John 15? And I'm role playing. So I begin to read John 15. I, I, I had to stop. I, 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 the, the, the Holy Spirit, there was such a presence of Jesus touching my heart in role-playing. Now, I came to a place where I wasn't role-playing, where it was like God was, and I felt like God said to me, because I got choked up, and he said, I need you to speak the next few words about me. Because this is about me and what I want to do in you. Anyway, I was able to speak them, and I got through the verses. And when I got through the verses, my face was soaked, and I looked up, and everyone in the room, was, their faces were soaked. Something happened. What was it? Well, first of all, there was a lot of prayer that went into that training a lot of prayer previously. I'm one of 14 people right now in the Christian Mission Alliance certified as a mediator. I've got to put it into practice. One of 14 in this alliance. And uh, Gary Friesen, who is the, the, a legal counsel to the alliance, came and gave a, a little address to our graduation ceremony. And he said, this has been 32 years in the making to get to this place where we actually have certified mediators to work in our, in our alliance denomination to bring the gospel and speak the gospel into the various conflicts that happen in churches across our country and across the world. And he, as he spoke, were, was caught up in emotion. Why? Because he's been praying for 32 years for this to come about. And it's, it's not check the box. It is the ministry of the gospel speaking to hearts in conflict. And when people get their heart right with Christ, they can get their hearts right with one another. And when you get your heart right with Christ and right with one another, when you come to church, you come expectant. You come because you got your heart right through the book. You got your heart right through what God said and how God led you. And, and just as, just as uh, Ezra spoke and the other men spoke, um, they also had, and you notice that if, if we read, they, they had men throughout the crowd going around and helping people understand, discerning and understanding and teaching and training. That's the church. Now, to say all that, to have all that, and to have the reading of God's Word, and just like we've done today, and then do nothing with it, nothing happened. They challenged Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah. They challenged the people. Now, go out and celebrate. Stop crying. Stop mourning. Now's the time to get on with it. Now's the time to go out. Give to those who have need. Take what you have, what the fat you have, the resources you have, and bless somebody in the community and take your faith in the message of the book out to the community. That's the practical aspect. That's the practical aspect. And when it's not received, do like Paul and Barnabas did. Shake the sand off your sandals and go to the next one. 
And, and as they say in peacemaking ministry, we are not called to be successful. We are called to be faithful. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to go into your community, go into your home, go into your neighborhood, go to your workplace, not be successful. Oh, I led three people to Jesus. Now, that would be awesome if it happened. But remember, it's Jesus that connects with the heart. It's you connecting them with Jesus. And, and it's Jesus that does the converting. The key is, is to be faithful. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we read the word today. I trust that it will not return void. And I trust, Lord, that we, when we read it this week, as a church, as a congregation, when we have our own devotion, Lord, would you just open up our hearts that we might be soaked in you, soaked with your presence, sensing your presence, moved upon by your presence, delivered of our insecurities and all the things and things that go on in life, and to have the love of God shed abroad in our heart, and then, Lord, to take that restored self and go out into, our, into the highways and byways and share the love of Christ, to be a light in a dark place. I pray you'll do that in Jesus' name. Amen.